Hey guys, welcome to the Limitation Ismerized podcast. On this podcast, I have a special, awesome, superhuman guest in Johnny from Next Step Nutrition. Uh, please give a brief introduction as to who you are so everyone can get excited as I am. <laughs> yeah, so uh, thanks for having me on, first off. Very welcome. Uh, yeah, my name is Johnny and I run a company called Next Step Nutrition. Uh, we focus on helping chronic dieters uh, get out of that diet cycle particularly those who struggle with, uh, you know, emotional eating um, and struggling with uh, maybe a sense of over control around their food and just want that kind of endless self chat around food and anxiety around food and things to stop. Um, been running it for the last five, six years now. And uh, I love it. Uh, aside from that, I'm a musical theatre performer and average cricket player. Um, Coffee lover, beer lover, pizza lover, uh, all those good but things. But you're not allowed to be. All, if you're a nutritionist, you can't be any of those things. That's against the law, I'm sure. Day one, nutrition school, they're like, right, cut everything, everything fun, exciting, and nice out of your life yeah. right now. Yeah, and I've I've been there. You know, I've I've been on those meal plans that are, uh, you know, six, seven meals a day of the driest food you can eat. Uh, I've done every clean eating slash uh restrictive fad diet you could probably think of and so i've sort of followed all of those old diet rules myself um which is why i'm so passionate on helping people escape those kind of rules and 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 refine the good things about life while still hitting their goals and that's what i love about what you do the fact that you've been there like when, when if you go back through your social media and stuff you can see like rip to the shreds johnny and people would look at that and go fucking look at that it's amazing but you know if you get chatney like behind that ripped body was a guy that fucking just was not loving life and delighted by his cardboard food and everything that was, that was going with it and uh, so that, that's what what i wanted to mainly focus on was you, you do a lot with emotional eating and i know from uh, a lot of the ladies i work with that emotional eating is massive like i would always say to them that they don't have a problem with weight loss in fact they're they're experts at weight loss. They've done it so many times. They've probably lost yeah. my entire body repeatedly over mm -hmm. their lifespan. So it's nothing to do with weight loss is not the issue. The issue is, is deeper than that. And emotions come up a lot and it might be a Northern Irish thing. It might be an everywhere thing, but people seem to be afraid of emotions. We want to put them over there out of the road and just deal with this logical thing that we can deal with. So with emotional eating, could you give a description of what just in case, because I've noticed over working with people, they don't know they're emotional eaters until I start explaining mm -hmm. it and we bells go off and then they're like, fucking hell, it's me. And then mm -hmm. that can be enough to trigger. So could you give like a 300 mile view of what emotional eating is? Sure. I think it's well pointed out, Liam, that you just said there, like people don't realize it until you start talking about it more in depth. And they're like, oh yeah, fuck. Like, okay, that sounds familiar. Maybe this is something that like I've been doing. And, and have been unaware of. And I yeah. think that's a big thing for all of my clients as well, is just bringing that awareness piece into your routines and habits can then, you're shining a light basically on these, these events. And now you're starting to understand why they happen. Whereas without that awareness, you just go through life and you think like, why am I, why am I, you know, diving deep into this pack of biscuits? Or why do I always turn to chocolate or, or wine or, or whatever it might be? And, and, and you feel like you're being bad or guilty or, for doing it which then can incur this kind of moment of sabotage 
But until you start to really uncover what goes on behind the scenes, you'll never change that. Like there's no meal plan or macro target or or set set plan. You know, it's nothing to do with willpower or motivation. It's just because there are there are parts of the puzzle that are being left unchecked. And so it's it's any form of eating or drinking that is done purely to soothe an emotional state. And it understanding that is one thing, but then it's also knowing, well, when am I feeling that emotion? or vulnerability in my life and why aren't I already aware of it because until you start talking to people about noticing and naming these thoughts and feelings and being hyper aware of what's going on through the day they'll just keep going through it as you said that they they won't think they're an emotional eater until you start saying well you know let's talk about that event that happened on that night like what why did that happen oh you know just had a like really bad day at work it's like okay well what 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 happened at work like why did you why did you have those feelings and oh well this happened and then and then sort of this happened and then you know you start to talk to them about the the range of different feelings that humans can go through and they're like all right okay yeah so i can see that that it was that event at three o'clock that then led me to drive home in a really pissed off state and then you know then that guy cut me off on the road and then the roadworks uh were on and it took me like 35 minutes extra to get home and by the time i got home i was just so you know so pissed off and angry that before I'd even knew it, I'd, you know, demolished a whole pack of biscuits. And like, okay, well that that is emotional eating. Yeah. So it's just shining a torchlight on that and then being able to for people to know that it's totally human to do it. It's not like none of us do it, like we all do it. But it's noticing it and then being able to notice and name that throughout your week that you're like, okay, now I've got awareness of this. Now how do I start to unpick that and start to, you know, maybe choose a different path if I want to. Yeah, I, I like the way you described it because if you if you didn't know about emotional eating and stuff and you described that scenario, people would just say stuff like, I, I was just pissed off that day. And you're like, yeah, that's start of an emotional journey. No, that guy was just a dick. And then that, why did you punish yourself for that then? Because mm-hmm. it felt bad. Uh, so so you, you felt bad. What does that feel like? And then you have to, like, sometimes you really need to, like, I always say to people, I, I, when I'm working on myself, I talk to myself like I'm an eight-year-old. I'm like, right, mm. what is going on now? How is this doing? Why did you do that? Why is this? And sometimes you just have to do that. And you're like, it's not patronizing. It's just to break down your normal walls of, that's just the way it is, which is the statement. And then we just move on. Why did you eat all those? With you? I always just do that whenever Johnny comes to work. And you're like, well, he's, but why? Uh, so w- once people start to realize that, do you notice a massive shift in everything in their health and well-being? I'd say that it's it's more of a it's definitely a shift in their mental state, and it then it's then up to you know it's it's up to the client to choose what they do with it really because I, I actually notice a lot of my clients really struggle with it first off because they're used to using food and alcohol as a way to deal with these emotions, yeah. and if you decide then to actually start choosing a different path. Well, you've you've got to now deal with those those emotions and those thoughts yeah. and feelings, and that's actually quite tough for people to do. Mm-hmm. Like you've either got to use different ways to regulate them, like you know self care or journaling or meditating or, or or what have you, or you've actually just got to realise that sometimes you've got to feel shitty in order to get better, and that's really difficult as well. Like sometimes you've just got to sit in the suck. Like mm-hmm. okay, you've got you've got a shitty relationship. It's like well, you can't ignore that not have the necessary conversations and then just eat and drink your way to soothe yourself. Like you've got to have the, co- the crucial conversations now 
inside that relationship to fix it or or to move on from it like whatever that might be whatever's right for that person same thing like with that you know if they hate their fucking job well you know there's no amount of red wine or pizza that's going to make that job better like you've got to decide how do I make this job better like how do I have that crucial conversation with with my coworkers or with my superior or or whatever's creating that awful environment or how do I get out of that but still you know still cover my mortgage and my you know my responsibilities like these are the types of issues that people face and because they don't actually have the skills to sort them out they're turning to food and drink Mm -hmm. and so actually it's really difficult you know it becomes now a different conversation much more about someone's like values and their goals and and I'm not just talking about like okay like I want to want to lose a bit of body fat you know and feel a bit better (laughs) it's like you know how do you want to show up in the world like what do you actually want to be doing for work like what you know what what kind of relationship do you want to be in what what where is your life missing certain like certain aspects of a key well-rounded life that you're covering up with food maybe it's just the fact they don't have any hobbies anymore maybe they don't take any time for themselves maybe it's all of the above yeah and it's like okay so what 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 emotion is food covering first of all that's key because like when i was reading up about emotional eating and doing all of this research and 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 this this coaching certification about it you know it's when people are really bad at choosing their emotions, when they say that they're always like, they're always tired or they're always, they're always mad. You know, like if you're always mad or you're always tired, it's like, that's a sense that you actually don't really know what emotion's going on. Like, yeah. is that frustration? Is it, is it frustration? Is it pure anger? Is it disappointment? Is it loneliness? Is it boredom? Is it sadness? Is it grief? Is it shame? Is it, you know, any of those things? Like you need to be able to choose that out of a feeling wheel. And I'd be like, right, okay, I'm feeling that emotion. Now, what does my body truly need in order to deal with that? Yeah, that, that awareness of the emotion is key. Like something that the, whenever I'm working with clients and they'll say things like, I just be mad all the time. I'm like, well, what is mad? And they can't really describe it. And I'm like, right, what if someone came to your house, broke in, stole your car keys, stole your car? How would you feel? Oh, I'd be mad. I'd be so angry. And you're like, right, what if they came in and stole your kid instead? I'd be mad. So it'd be the same. No, it'd be, it'd be worse. Well, how would that be worse? Like it's, you can't be mad and mad. No, I'd be <laughs> furious. And now you, like, it's an extreme way of teaching it, but they're go, you're going, so that's worse. So now we have different parameters for what emotions are. So like mm-hmm. I, I do a lot of postural work and I'll say, stand up and think of something that makes you sad. And as soon as you think of that, think of how your posture's changed and then do it for happy, then do it for excited, then do it for anxious. And the understanding of how the posture has changed in that emotional state just gives them that learning that like emotions, like you said, the emotional wheel, like there's a spectrum of, you can't just be mad or anxious. I'm anxious all the time. Even when you're having a shower, well, not when I'm having a shower. Oh, so not all the time. Not well, not then. What about when your niece runs in and gives you a hug? Well, not then you're like, so it's not all the time, is it? Let's break this down again and see what what the different levels of your anxiety are Mm -hmm. do you think it's anything to do with control so whenever whenever like you're saying about the shitty relationship the shitty job because we're so afraid to address our problems we feel like we have no control over it but we we can sort of control what we eat even though we're not happy with it at least weren't you i chose to do that even though i didn't want to but i did it yeah how would you approach that well you know before we move into that Liam just quickly I want to say like amazing what you were doing about identifying different emotions because that's that's that key factor isn't it it's like 
these are very different and we need to be able to understand how to differentiate that and and again like we're going to talk about sense of control now it's it's 100 percent about control because we can't control our thoughts feelings or emotions and then we but we can control the food and it's like we try almost to like force ourselves to have different thoughts or have better thoughts or what have yeah. you but we, we can't do those things like thoughts and feelings are like clouds in the sky we can't control them they come and go but they they don't define us like what you were just saying about anxious it's like you're not an anxious person you are someone who sometimes has anxious thoughts maybe you have more than another person but that's that's just where your head is at right now and if we mm-hmm. start to notice and name those anxious thoughts and we can go through like a thought reframing or a thought challenging exercise which is a cbt exercise we can start to notice and name that those anxious thoughts we can reframe them and we can start to you know rewire ourselves to be more positive with our thoughts or more you know more not realistic let's say but we at least we can reframe those anxious thoughts and then there'll be less of them yeah and with regards to that feelings of control to to answer your question you know a hundred percent it's because we try to control things that are outside of our control and when we can't do that we turn to food and drink so it's like we'll get so mad and <laughs> to use that emotion or so frustrated <laughs> or so disappointed or or so furious about other people's actions or or things that happen that are outside of our control you know like are oh, the gym shuts for a day for maintenance how oh, well fuck it my exercise is ruined you know where's the where's the takeaway number or like the kids got to come home from school because someone's got covid in the class again it's like bloody hell you know we're gonna have to isolate i'm gonna have to stay home from work well you know there's no point trying to get to the gym or or meal prepping this week because it's ruined you know like i've got i've got to look after my child or oh well um I've, you know, I've injured my shoulder, so I can't do my regular training routine. What's the point? I might as well not, not do any exercise and, yeah. and go and smash a pack of chocolate buttons. And it's like, well, well, no, like let's, let's stop getting derailed about things that are outside of our control. Remember what's completely within our control and, and, and then choose a, you know, an action that we're actually happy with that's in line with our goals. That's not just a, a knee-jerk reaction to something that we wish we could have controlled but can't yeah that, that sort of brings back to what you were saying earlier about uh like boundaries and understanding your your boundaries and your beliefs and i do a lot of core belief work mm. and i explain to people about control and anger like anger is generally um coming from somebody breaking your rules even though they don't know the your rules so the example that i always use is my dad sits in a different room from everybody else. So if anybody comes into my house, I think it's just, and it must be from years of doing martial arts, but I think it's just a respect thing to just pop your head in the door and go, hello. And then even if he's asleep or he doesn't speak or respond or whatever, but if you don't know that and you don't, if you come to my house and you don't say that, you're breaking my rule without knowing it. So it's up to me to know my rules and how I react and how I feel to them being broken and then teaching people my rules. So like if, Johnny, if you ever come to my house now and you don't speak to my dad, I'll be like, what the fuck? <laughs> you, you know the rule. Um, but until you teach the people around you, it, they don't know it. But then it's also very important to know that even if you teach them about that rule and like this is your rule and, and, and you don't want it to be broken, it's still yours. It does, like if they don't believe it, it doesn't matter. Like you have to react to that as well. So do you do a lot of work on boundary setting and understanding your core beliefs and have you any like I was gonna say we tricks but it's not tricks you know like 
ways of getting people to think about how do they incorporate their own rules and how they understand mm. their rules and things like that? Yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting point, Liam, because people, we'll all have our own rules and safety behaviours that are either helping us or hurting us. Mm-hmm. And I find that, that that control is very much a double-edged sword in that oftentimes we we have less control in the areas of our lives where we should have control, as you said there, like boundaries and expectations. And then we try and apply too much control then to things that are outside of our control, like food and routines and things like that, particularly when there are other people in the equations that we can't control. Like we can't control other people's thoughts, emotions, feelings, or even actions. We can try and establish boundaries. And then if they're if they're complete, if they're always being neglected or violated, then we have to have a conversation. And that is a crucial yeah. conversation because there's clearly a disconnect there in terms of people's opinions and the emotions are going to be running high as well. Mm-hmm. So as you said, if people aren't aware of the boundaries, then how how do you expect people to to honor them? Yeah. So there's a conversation there that has to ha- happen. And then if they're violated, it's like, well, you either let that person violate your boundaries and you feel shitty about it, or you have the conversation. And that's a difficult thing to do because as humans, we're actually pretty shit at communicating. We're not given very good role models in communication, you know, from our parents, unless they were great communicators, because it's not, it's not an inherent skill. Like it's a skill to learn. So in answer to your question, yeah, you know, like, I do talk to a lot to my clients when we have our consultations about boundaries, crucial conversations, uh, values, you know, you know, going through a value ordering exercise of like, you know, what are your values? What things do you honor? And, and then how are you going to show up in the world in terms of honoring those values? And that may be having a slice of cake with your daughter because she's made a cake for you and like, yeah, okay. Like you're trying to lose body fat, but that's okay. Like you can have that slice of cake and still do that. It doesn't need to be a, oh, I need to upset my daughter and not have that cake because I'm trying to be good. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be a, oh, well, I'm going to have this slice of cake, so I fuck my diet, so I might as well have the whole cake. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's just helping clients with that. And and now that we've got more of a group um, coaching element as well, like my upcoming three content talks this this month are going to be um, – you know, willpower for one as a, as a conversation. Another one's going to be about boundaries and crucial conversations because it's, you know, it's just such a key, key topic. Yeah. I, I like that, that aspect of like eating the cake that your kid bought you or made you or it's her birthday or whatever it is. And that not throwing anything out because the, the, you'd be the same as me. You're not trying to just change people for 12 weeks so that they, look better and feel better and you're like 12 weeks well done gone about your life now as you did you want you're trying to make lifelong changes so the guilt of not eating the cake that the kid gives you just gives you that excuse later to binge completely because you feel bad that you let your kid down and now you're like fuck it what's the point and then you feel bad that you should have just had the cake instead of eating all the shit that you had by yourself secretly um which sort of got me thinking of a, of a thing that comes up quite often and you've probably got experience with it as well um clients that i've worked with that live alone and they'll say things like because i live on my own i can just eat whatever i want and nobody even knows and you're like yeah, but you're not doing this for them you're doing it for you so why are you secretly eating by yourself and not and pretending that you're doing stuff so whenever someone comes to you with that sort of an attitude where they're um secret eaters even even sometimes nearly denying it to themselves like i didn't even notice and then when i got up the next morning i've seen four chocolate bar wrappers you're like mice you've got mice um so whenever someone comes yet with with secret eating mm. and the emotional attachment that comes with that well, how would you approach that for them 
Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because we've just been chatting about emotional eating and you're now talking about someone who's living by themselves. And, uh, you know, we talked there about safety behaviours and routines and rituals and things serving a purpose. It's like that that routine of secret eating is serving some form of purpose for that person. Mm-hmm. And there's no, you know, like, the, the, there are old school techniques of like, oh, well, let's just not buy the chocolate or, you know, let's, well, let's reduce it to like two chocolate bars rather than four. And it's like, they're, they're not going to work because they're not they're not solving the problem yeah. it's like putting it's like putting a plaster over a leaky pipe you know like that plaster is going to get soggy and come off again soon so we need to actually fix the hole in the pipe which is a different issue and we have um a really great worksheet actually which is called the behavior awareness worksheet something that i got from the team at um, precision nutrition and it's a sheet which gets someone to evaluate not just the event that happened, but like the, basically the whole day beforehand. So it's like, right, okay, in the two to three hours before this event, what was happening? What, what was happening physically? What was I feeling emotionally? What, what was going on? And then in the like 30 to 60 minutes before, what was going on? In the time during it, what was going on? In the time after it, what was going on? Because mm-hmm. you're like, maybe, maybe they wake up and they're like, oh, Jesus, you know, like, all of this has happened or or they notice it like and they're in the middle of it or it's just afterwards and they're like oh man like what happened like you know i, I was just completely unaware of what was going on or completely yeah. mindless or whatever it might be but it's it's in that moment of that awareness of of the event that they need to then get out this sheet or something similar to go through it and be like right okay let's get to the bottom of this because there's clearly something going on that i'm unaware of and, and until i'm aware of it i'll have no idea what the solution is yeah, I love I love that idea of, of the awareness. I would teach a lot of pattern interrupt. How do you interrupt your own pattern? How do you become aware of your own pattern early enough to interrupt it? I remember when I first started doing hypnotherapy work. One of the, well, it was just a friend of mine, and he was talking about weight loss and stuff. He didn't come to me for therapy, so I I used to do before I did therapy work. I did street hypnosis uh, as part of being a magician. So I'm just making this very clear that this is not unethical at all because <laughs> he didn't come to me for therapy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, for the listeners, uh, he he t- talked about how he goes to buy petrol and then the next thing he knows, he's in the car eating halfway through the bar of chocolate. And he's like, I don't even notice. It's just autopilot habit. Mm-hmm. So I put a suggestion in there that anytime he reached for chocolate, he would laugh hysterically like a little old lady for the crack just to see what would happen when i was testing out stuff and he rang yeah. me about half an hour later and he was like you're a fucking wanker he's like i was went to pay for my petrol and realized i was laughing like a wee old lady in the middle of the in the middle of this shop because i tried to pick up a mars and i was like did you buy the mars and eat it and he was like fuck of course not i paid and got out of there and i was like well now you know <clears throat> and after that he had a new pattern when he went into the shop it wasn't pick up the bar, buy the thing, go and eat it. It was like, fuck, I better not laugh like a wee girl. Like this, this better <laughs> not happen. And I use it as an extreme example of pattern interrupts, but understanding your your patterns, understanding your posture and just being aware can make um, a huge difference in, in mm. how you go about eating and, and making those decisions. So if you are alone and having that sheet, like for people that live alone, I would always tell them to have something on like the fridge door mm. or the cupboard door like just a wee post-it note mm-hmm. that says anything like i have a habit of whenever my clients go off on mental rants i just be like here fuck up and let's come back to the start here what are you talking about um, yeah. 
so having something like that, like a wee post-it note or something that just interrupts the pattern long enough for you to question um, what is going on here or, or what am I doing? Yeah, 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 absolutely right. And that's, you know, that's what I was just looking up here. I am, um, because I, I run a five-day habit Kickstarter challenge and we talk a lot about like emotional eating and cravings and, and permission to eat foods and that pattern interrupt you just had there about uh, you're, you're a man and, and, and his chocolate routine is, is amazing um, and with the post-it notes or reminders like I talk to that about with my clients all the time because your environment around you is so key not just of like the foods and, and drinks that you have around you like obviously that that helps but like your office space like what's what's immediately in your reach and like what things are you seeing often that can remind you about certain habits and behaviors that you're trying to do yeah. because building building new habits and behaviors as you said it's a rewire Mm-hmm. Your, your, current, your current habits are wired in from years and years of doing that same thing as a reaction to a certain emotional thought. And the first step is awareness. Awareness creates change. But then if you can put little post-it notes around the little labels that can help you with those thought patterns, you're just, you're winning. So someone who did my five-day free challenge sent me a picture of this uh, picture uh, of this, like this post-it note they put on their fridge and it was like, one, do I really want this food now or is it a craving? Two, will I really enjoy this food now or do would I prefer it later? And three, will I really taste this food now or not? And it's like, you know, that that's part of moving towards unconditional permission to eat while still honouring hunger and satisfaction and emotion. And they've now got this on their fridge. So it's like every day yeah. as they head to the fridge, it's like, all oh, right oh yeah okay and they and they automatically think about these three questions that stop them in that pattern and get them to choose choose an action they're happy with you know that's awesome uh the the taste net's really important um uh, something that i i would ask people about a lot like whenever in the olden days when we could go to restaurants and stuff i never cared about the price if it was nice like it could have it didn't matter at all. I could have ordered a steak in one place and it'd be five pound. And if it was nice, great. It could have been 50 pound in the next place. If it was nice, great. I didn't care because I savored the food and I, and I enjoyed it. And I use the example of um, jelly beans, you know, the flavored jelly beans you get. Mm. So I would say to people, if if you're having a bad day and you have a pack of those flavored jelly beans, do you eat them one at a time or all at once? Like, do you just take a handful and throw it in? I'm like, What's the point in buying flavored ones that have a multitude of flavors that you can experience whenever mm. you're just going to fire them all in at once? But if you bought the ones that have like the vomit and the snotter and the, I, I can't even think of all, all the terrible, disgusting flavored ones. Yeah, yeah. And you're in that mood, how would you eat them? Oh, you'd eat them one at a time to make sure you'd pre- press them and smell them. I don't even eat it. You're like, so there's, you have the ability in there somewhere when you change that pattern. So let's work on that rather than working on like, I'll just, I'll just pick a new goal. I'll pick a goal of, I'll just become more, I'll do more exercise to counteract my food. And you're like, that's yeah. a fucking different story that I can't even get into with you today. <laughs> this way yeah, it's not yeah. going to work. Um, one of the things I like about what you do is you are not a one dimensional coach. As in like you didn't go to the gym, enjoy the gym and then think, fuck, I love the gym. Everybody loves the gym. I'm going to make a living out of this. Like you have (laughs) hobbies and life experience and things like that, Um, which I wanted to touch on because I just love the fact that like people tell me all the time, fuck, you're flat out. Do you ever do anything fun? And I'm like, every day. 
Mm. Every day I either train, stretch, meditate, go out and eat, like every day. When do you do fun things? Um, I try to get something on at the weekend. You're like, no wonder your life's not as as happy and as excitable as you would like it to be. Um, so what are your thoughts on hobbies and activities? Do you think people need to get more of those? Or uh, Yeah, I mean, it's just like our um, our mutual coach of like, you know, like bloody loving a hobby. And it's like, yeah. and it's as I said about where when people emotionally eat, there might be areas of their life that are un- like uncovered that they're trying to cover with that food and and I'm aware that being a parent and an adult and having a relationship having children there are certain things that you have to do in terms of like the way your time is spent but then again that's a a conversation about with your partner of finding a way for you to still do things that light you up inside and for you both to be able to do those things so you need to find time together you need to find time for your own hobbies and you may not be able to do as many as let's say like you and i but like even if it is a short five minute meditation before the kids wake up maybe it is a a short 15 minute walk on your lunch break to get out in nature maybe it is a hobby that you do in the evening while the kids are after school club or they're doing their own hobbies so you do it at the same time like how can you make your routine work to, to fulfill your things? And like, mm-hmm. that was a massive thing missing out of my life when I, when I went full time with my nutrition coaching business, because I used to be a gym instructor in the evening alongside running my business. And so for me, t- time was very short. And the time where a lot of hobbies that I would enjoy were on, I was, I was coaching classes. And when I stopped coaching classes and went full time, I, I did go through a, a slight period of, of depression because that those evening classes were like what what was filling me up like as a performer I was I was doing these classes and so you know I was like front of the gym like I was I was on stage and I was I was delivering this class I was delivering this performance and everybody knew my name like I was Johnny I was a coach like I was here to deliver this 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 uh this performance this class for everyone and then when that was taken away from me don't get me wrong I love my job but I was like I didn't have that Mm -hmm. And I had to dig deep to myself and think, yeah, you know, like as I was growing up, I played cricket, I played rugby, I did musical theatre and my teachers at the time were like, Johnny, you're flat out, like something's got to give if you're going to get good grades. And I was like, nah, nah, I'll show you, I'll show you. (laughs) (laughs) And and I did, like I got decent grades, I got decent degrees while still doing all these things. And so I was like, I've got to go back to those things. And so, you know, just just last week, it finished on Saturday. I was I was in a, a musical theatre production in 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 my local city of Leeds. Um, we're doing a couple more venues actually, but not until next month. Um, play cricket, do that, you know, two evenings a week on the weekends as well in the summer. And it's like I'm I'm very big on helping my clients find those those moments and activities that that light them up inside. Whether that's singing, dancing, drawing, painting reading listening to music doing an actual thing or whether it's just you know something small like that yeah i love that because whenever people are coming for coaches like the 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 average joe doesn't need a coach just in fitness and nutrition because like we've noticed over the years that when, when people have I've never met anyone who's gained a load of weight unless they've done it on purpose as a marketing tool. I've never met anyone who's gained a load of weight um, 
by just eating food. They're just like, oh no, I just eat food. My life is perfect. I love everything about my life. I'm emotionally, physically, mentally stable. I just eat food. Once you start looking at it, you're like, oh, I see the problem. You have, you're emotionally stable because the emotions are over there and you haven't mm-hmm. went over there for a long time. So whenever they, they come to someone like yourself that you, you don't just do this stuff, you live a life. You're, you're, it's much easier for people to connect with you, I think, than the guy that is just the gym coach who just gyms and does nothing else. Like most of the coaches I've connected with over the years nearly do as much outside of the gym as they do inside the gym. So I like that you sort of um, live that and teach people that it's not just about um, being calorie counting and moving more and hating everything else about your life. It's about incorporating everything um, together to create it. And the fact that you said like dance and singing, drawing, I would be the same, but like, try everything. I give you a list of like 20 things you can try. You might hate all of them. Like when people tell me they hate vegetables, I hate vegetables. I'm like, all of them? You've tried every vegetable that exists, all of them. <laughs> they're like, well, not all of them. Like, well, then how do you know? I used to say that I was terrible at school. And the, like I used to tell my teachers and stuff, I'm like, for all we know, I could be the greatest horse racer to ever exist. Just no one's ever given yeah. me a horse. And mm-hmm. they're like, nobody, nobody would trust you with a horse. <laughs> Fair enough. But so the more you try, the more that you learn and the more that you can um, develop within yourself and it helps you with your rules and boundaries and stuff. And, and that's why I'm honored to bring up the the hobbies, because if you if you are someone that is into all the stuff that you're into and then you have a partner. It's part of your life, and I see too many people getting into relationships and stuff and they lose a part of themselves. And then like we've been talking about, you fill that void with food or with drink or, or whatever it is. Instead of talking with a partner and saying, this is what I do and this is why you like me because it's what's created, that's how I've created my life. Um, so if people didn't have a hobby, if they weren't listening now and they were like, fuck, I don't think I have a hobby. What would you suggest? How would you suggest them to start? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? In that you just said about, you know, have you tried every vegetable and people are like well no probably not and and when you say vegetables to people people do just think of like really boring bland meals don't they they're just like i'm just they're just thinking of green broccoli or cauliflower or any of those things that really are quite tasteless rather than like making something that's really nice and enjoying it and with hobbies i mean yeah it's as you said like you've just got to try things and you're you're not going to like everything and that's okay that doesn't mean you just Mm -hmm. give up like I used to sing in a choir when I was at uni. And so one of the first things I did when I got out of gym instructing was like, right, okay, well, I'll try and I'll try and find a choir and like tried a couple in leads that really I didn't really gel with and then found another one that was full of like younger people. And I was like, okay, yeah, okay, like I'll get into this. And I was doing it and 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 actually it was it was from that choir that I then got back into musicals because there was a member of that choir that was like, oh, I'm part of this musical theater company and we're looking for guys for our production of of Footloose. And I was like, oh, I did Footloose awesome. when I was at uni. <laughs> cool. I did, I did Footloose when I was at uni. Um, so I was like, yeah, I'd love to come and audition. And and I and I got a part and unfortunately I couldn't fulfill the role because there was a a date that uh, clashed with a friend's wedding. So I was like, I'm, yeah, I'm just not going to be able to do the performance. But during that time, I realised that like I was doing the choir and I actually didn't really enjoy the singing of 
choral singing the thing mm-hmm. i remembered enjoying about the choir was the fact that all of my friends from uni were in the same choir so it's like we <laughs> yeah. just we just we just had a great time and like we yeah. went to like france and china and london like touring with this choir um and it was more those experiences that i enjoyed as opposed to the singing in the choir but that choir brought me into musical theater again so it's like you know, you've just got to try different things. And if there were hobbies that you did when you were a kid, you know, the question I ask my clients is like, what did you used to do that you just used to do for fun, for like for shits yeah. and noodles? And they're like, oh, well, I used to do this, but I can't do that anymore. Why not? Yeah. What limitation have you put upon yourself? Yeah, I, I love that. And it's probably a way throughout my life, I've done loads of different stuff like that, like martial arts, magic. I was a pole dancer. I was... Uh, meditation like all sorts of like I try everything so then whenever I just love being in that position that when people say oh I used to do this but I couldn't do that now and you're like why I yeah, once why? fucking got since we're talking about <laughs> I went to took my sister to an audition for West Side Story um in the Millennium Forum in Derry and when I was there the woman the casting director was like uh are you not auditioning and I was like no I'm just here with my sister and then she asked me, would I audition? And I had nothing else to do. So I was like, yep, fuck it, why not? And then <laughs> cut to a few months later, me and my sister are on stage and I'm tanned, wearing like fucking random clothes, singing songs from my side story. I love uh, that. I love that. It's so good. So when people come to you and they're like, no, I could never do that. And you're like, why? Like, what? Like, literally, what is the worst that can happen? You already feel like shit. Go on and stand and up and singing in puerto rican and i'd never watched west side story before like the right, first okay. they were like oh everybody's seen west side story and i was like uh. the best bit about it was whenever <laughs> my letter came through to say i got into the cast before vicky's did right <laughs> so i was like well <sighs> that's it um so i, I just i just love that that you're you're like in that position where people can't really say, well, no, what, what you wouldn't do it. And you're like, no, I would, I have, I've done this. Yeah. I've done yeah, all yeah. that. I do um, regularly. <laughs> what, is, what is your favorite musical? Oh, that's a million dollar question, isn't it? Um, oh, right. So mm, this is difficult. One of the, <laughs> one of the, okay. One of the best I've seen is Matilda in the West End. Because the production was just insane, and like the the, you know the set and the choreography and and the music, it's just it's it's just such an unreal production. Really, really good. One of my favourites to listen to is a musical called Next to Normal, which I've never actually seen because it only ran on Broadway for a short time. It's never come to London, Um, but the music in that is just insane. And then, I mean, one of the classics that I just enjoy listening to performing in is always just Les Misérables because it's yes. just a great it's just a great show let's be honest yeah lemas will be my favorite of, of all of them um stars is my favorite song and is it <laughs> yeah yeah and you'll find me like whenever i was going to gigs um i'd listen i'd I do a lot of vocal warm-up by marica uh, who i did a podcast with a while ago Mar- marica um i hired marica from london I actually flew over because in Oma we talk without moving our jaw really and we don't really open our teeth. So I was like, if I want people to listen to me, I want them to be able to hear what, what they're listening to. And so I yeah, flew yeah. over for it, spent a day with Mark and then tra- travel back and forth and, and stuff. And 
so I do my vocal warm-ups and one of them is like when I'm driving the gigs is stars like with the Russell Crowe stars because I, I just like the way his voice was yeah. um, so Vicky my wee sister was just went to see everybody's talking about Jamie is that what it's called the tour she went like it was on Saturday there she was in Belfast on Saturday watching yeah it. yeah and one of my clients is in it brilliant cool I'll so say now, I'm like, <laughs> actually yeah. <clears throat> one of her her favorite shows i i watched a lot of them growing up with vicky let's see if i can remember <laughs> so let's see if you have a response to this <laughs> what's the number minutes yeah that's what you're on this uh, week is that right yeah, the right yeah, number? Yes. yeah yeah that's 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 the like the most famous song out of rents yeah it opens act two actually every so often where it is i'll just blast that at vicky <laughs> whenever, whenever she talks about it, it was the one that i like no she got me into watching musicals and stuff via like lay Miz and all the ones that you've heard of and then all of a sudden she's like let's watch this one and like i never heard of it i don't trust it i don't like it get away from me but then i enjoyed it um so I, i've taken a complete se- segue because i enjoy musicals also and then oh good got to sing a bit at you uh <laughs> Yeah, we've got um, we've got. I think we, I think there were some videos of the dress rehearsal actually. So if uh, if I get any of those coming across, um, then I will send them your way. Yes, awesome. Um, so just to get back on track, uh, I know your time is precious, so I don't want to keep you forever. Oh, no, don't worry, don't worry. What what advice would you give someone now that's been listening to this podcast and got through the, the musical speed that I just went on? <laughs> Hasn't left. Uh, and it's starting to think, fuck, a lot of that is me. I, I'm not really self-aware. I'm not paying attention. But now the good thing about self-awareness is it, it can happen in an instant. You're like, fuck, I'm not self-aware. I didn't know that I was this and this. And you're like, well, no, you are. So yeah. ta-da, you did it. Um, how would you advise people to just build on this now, the little bit of self-awareness that they might have just picked up from on this podcast? Well, moving forward i mean you and i were just talking there weren't we about post-it notes in certain places where we spend most of our time that can help reinforce new new pathways and i i also like using technology for that as well like when i realized that i was really really low in self-compassion and that building more self-compassion would be good for me as a person i set myself a reminder to read a positive like self-talk list twice a day so like cool. 8 a.m and 5 p.m like read that list and i just did it and I, and I got used to practicing more self-compassion through what I was reading. And that would be my advice to people listening to this. Like if you're, if this has struck a chord with you and you're like, okay, yeah, there are moments where I'm probably emotional. Well, what kind of little reminders can you put around your house where these events normally occur that can help you stop and notice what's going on? So if, is it on the, you know, putting a post-it note on the fridge and the cupboards like that client that messaged me on on Facebook? with those three questions or is it like a you know a post-it note on your car on your car dashboard because it's usually when you're driving that you're you feel some kind of emotion that makes you swing in for chocolate bars at the garage or drive through at mcdonald's and to do so mindlessly you know like where where can you pattern interrupt these with some reminders that are going to help you not only become aware but then also start to notice and name your emotions mm-hmm. Um, and if people want to know more about noticing and naming emotions, then looking up on Google images, like a feelings wheel 
is a really great tool because then you can literally have like an image of that saved on your phone and you can yeah. know that like okay i'm feeling this right now and just being able to actually differentiate what emotion you have and an emotion label is is powerful in itself even just understanding what that feels like if you understand yeah. what sadness feels like and happiness then you can go right i'm feeling sad now and to feel happy i need to change the sensation of my chest to be this the stance to be this my head mm -hmm. position to be this and, and i need to like having that little list and um, the example i used for for myself is my sleeping pattern was terrible it used to be fucking brutal and i was a a manly sleeper i like i can do two hours three hours i don't give a fuck i don't need i don't need sleep i could motor on and i didn't know i was getting through the day rather than optimizing my day so i have an yeah. alarm now that goes off at half 12 at night and no matter what's going on like half 12 is shut down and that might still seem late to people but it's a lot earlier than it used to be and whenever whenever i think it's important whenever you set these boundaries for yourself to have them non-negotiable to start with mm -hmm. so you can lock them in and i remember being around people like at the very start when i set these alarms and <laughs> my alarm would just the phone would vibrate in my pocket and i would just get up wherever i'm like right i'm away and they're like where the fuck are you going i'm going home it's half i'm away i was like it's half 12 i'm away good luck and yeah. I would just leave and people would give me shit about it. And then eventually it just, because it was my non-negotiable, it was for my well-being. I just outweighed that till either they change their pattern, right? If they want me to come and watch a movie with them, we need to watch the movie. So it's over at half 12 because mm. that fucker will just get up and leave. And I, and I, and I did it. Like I would just get up in the middle of like weddings, everything whatever mm -hmm. i don't even go to weddings anymore now i was thinking that yeah. whenever you you were talking about you couldn't go to the wedding because of the thing i was like i would have been using the play i'm like this is my this is my opportunity this is broadway calling i can't <laughs> i can't go to your wedding <laughs> and just left it send me the video i'll watch it i wouldn't yeah, watch yeah. it um, <laughs> but <laughs> just setting those non-negotiables just help reinforce everything and it, show, it shows you that fuck, i am capable of turning this around like like with, with anything with anxiety overeating all of it oh i've always done this like always like your whole life like your entire life i've always been been afraid of spiders even before you saw one that doesn't make sense you're like well exactly before you saw a spider you had no fear of it until you saw it and then you probably didn't even get afraid of that you seen your mom react and then went right brian lock that in these things are terrifying that's do what mom did squeal run away let's do that yeah. Yeah. and so i love that advice for people it's so, so easy to implement get just start with wee posted notes about the house i can just have them dotted places that will affect you and then over time like i know in my house if you came to my house you would see like my swords like i have a weapons wall in my other room oh cool for i always thought it would be fun to <laughs> To go out on like a blind date and convince the person to come home with me and just open the door without saying anything about martial arts and just see their reaction when they see my it's bedroom with like 10 swords on the wall uh but but every time i wake up i see them and that r reminds me of the consistency the effort the time everything i put in the books that i have are in order 
like things like this is the first i didn't read at school or anything this is the first book i ever bought and on martial arts yeah, and i've yeah. had it for about 20 years and it just reminds me of what i did to get to where i am like i don't have a fucking clue whenever i got that book like i but i was like this is what i'm gonna do this is what i'm gonna learn so yeah. it gets beyond the post-it notes and just gets to the point where your things of your life like i wear a chain that a um kung fu master gave me that was blessed by the monks in thailand and when the head monk died the new head monk came in the master sent sent us away to get blessed by him again right 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 all of that comes into my head and the re and reinforces all of that same as the screensaver on your phone having something like a post-it note that just reinforces mm. so i love that we're on the same path with that um Final question for you then, before we round up, if you had a superpower, what would it be? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> I got asked that recently by my fiance. Um, and at the time I, I answered something really lame because I was like, I'd want several. I didn't realize it was only one. Um, what would it be, superpower? I would love the ability to fly because then I wouldn't have to pay for petrol. <laughs> Uh, whenever people tell me they would love the ability to fly, I always ask them, would you not need super speed with that as well? Or are you just flying at the same speed as you can run? Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> flying at the same speed I can run, at least, you know, still, I'm still in the air, aren't I? Still avoiding the traffic. Yeah, you can still go as the crow flies, as they say. Um, if I had to guess, I would have guessed you would have wanted multiple because that's the type of life you lead. You don't want just one hobby, you want multiple. You don't want to help your clients in one way, you want to help them in multiple ways. And that's so you're not again, you're, it's not a singular um thought pattern. So it should cross over. It's one of the questions I'll ask my clients. Super it's a it's an easy way of getting into um the type of person people are because it's like if they pick mm -hmm. something like invisibility, you're like, well, you want to hide, you want to be secretive and stuff. So whenever someone who lives the lifestyle that you're like living, it's usually multitude. I want yeah, yeah, yeah because that's how you live your life uh johnny i really appreciate your time thank you very much where can people find you whenever they want to find you well thank you for having me on mate i've uh, i enjoyed the conversation um instagram's one of the best places to find me uh my handle is just at johnny landles um which i can send to you to spell because i realize that both my names often get spelt wrong um but i also have a website nextstepnutrition.co.uk with a few decent blogs on there and, and my own podcast as well, which is the next step espresso podcast. So people nice. are welcome to, to check those things out. Phil, I will get links to everything and post it below so everyone can find you easily. Uh, I know you are very easily approachable. So if anyone has any questions after the podcast, uh, just feel free to reach out to either of us. Um, yeah. Have a super awesome day, whatever you get up to. Thanks for listening. And I will speak to you again soon.